I am often looking for validation from someone else who has already bought from that company who can share their experience and whether or not they're having success. Like, did, is, it, is what they bought providing the solution to the problem that they had? And so I think storytelling helps lend so much credibility because you're hearing from a peer versus the organization telling you how great it is. Welcome to the State of Customer Storytelling. My guest today is Nick Venturella. Nick is an award-winning advocate marketer, and when he's not doing advocate marketing, he's also a musician entrepreneur. Seriously, you should check him out. He has an amazing business, upcycling uh, guitars. More on that later, but he's currently the Customer Engagement Operations Manager at Ceridian, um, which is a global human capital management software company with uh, about you know over uh, 6,000 employees, so quite a large company. And Nick is responsible for their customer engagement and advocacy program. Nick, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thanks for having me, Sam. Really appreciate it. Absolutely. Excited to chat. And um, why don't we just start it off and let's talk about you know customer advocacy and, and if someone you know, isn't really familiar with customer advocacy, you know, because on, on one hand, it's, it's, it's a long-standing practice, but it does feel like it's gaining, we're in a bit of a renaissance right now and uh, in, in many respects as well. So if someone isn't familiar with, you know, customer ad advocacy, let's start it off. Just tell us a little bit about like, what is customer advocacy? And, and you know, most importantly, you know, why does it matter so much? Yeah, I would say one of the easiest ways maybe to think about customer advocacy, especially for anyone who's maybe not familiar with that terminology. Um, I think more people are probably familiar with like word of mouth marketing, um, which is essentially, you know, uh, I always use the movie analogy. Like I, I saw a movie on Netflix, totally loved it. Thought of a friend who I has similar interests, probably would like it. I tell them about it. They go watch it. That's word of mouth marketing happening uh, as an example. So it's uh, so in terms of advocacy and how that relates to a business is it's really the discipline of building word of mouth marketing and fostering brand loyalty among customers at scale. Essentially, it's using mechanisms and things to really do that on a large basis with lots of customers kind of all moving in a direction where they're they have brand loyalty and they're talking about what's good and sometimes not so good, um, but that's real, which is also important. But the idea is to foster enough advocates who talk about the positive things over the negative things. And that, you know, that wins out. You can think of like Apple computers as a company that has fanatics, you know, that wait in line for the next gadget and whatever else. And it's, it's really about about them and what it means to to them and they're willing to promote and advocate on behalf of that brand because they love the product so much and that's really the the idea is that you're fostering a relationship with customers that's mutually beneficial and a partnership with them to the point that they want to sing your praises and talk about what you do to other people they know or others in a counterpart kind of role um, who might be making looking to make a purchase decision from maybe your company or something. So 
Um, so I think I think that's kind of the key. It's it's brand loyalty and fostering word of mouth marketing sort of at scale and getting it to a point where customers who who choose to advocate on behalf of a brand are choosing to do it because they want to, not because they're necessarily rewarded or or anything like that. But um, there's some authenticity in that. I love that. And there's so much to unpack there. One thing I want to drill down into is that the customer kind of storytelling segment of advocacy, right? So it sounds like to me, um, you know, customer advocacy is is a large, you know, encompassing kind of umbrella term and and customer stories are are one part of customer advocacy. Um, yeah, can you tell tell me a little bit more about that? Like, how do you see that, and how do you see you know customer stories within the advocacy umbrella? And and you know, what are the other you know some of the other key you know kind of buckets, if you will, that you also you know think about? Absolutely, I I kind of look at it this way. I'll, I'll I'll step back for a second. So I think of like customer marketing and advocacy as kind of an overall marketing discipline, if you will. It's it's a certain skill set. It takes a certain focus. It's it's a little bit different than say like account based marketing, ABM marketing, or like lead gen marketing. It has aspects of all of those in it as a as a broad umbrella term, but the focus is really to be customer centric, to to grow and build advocates over time, you know, to essentially help your customers be successful so that they want to advocate on behalf of your brand. And so storytelling absolutely is a, is, is a key element within that and is necessary because what it does is it provides credibility for your brand because it is another customer who is like, if I'm in, in the market to, um, potentially make a purchase, whether it's B2C or B2B, doesn't really matter. I am often looking for validation from someone else who has already bought from that company who can share their experience and whether or not they're having success. Like, did is it is what they bought providing the solution to the problem that they had? And how well is it doing that? How good was the experience in all of that in terms of the purchase process? And then eventually it actually solving your, your problem. Um, and so I think storytelling helps lend so much credibility because you're hearing from a peer versus the organization telling you how great it is, which they're obviously biased because they made the product or the service or whatever. So, um, so that's where storytelling, I think, becomes critical and crucial. And, and the way to like, if you have a sales force, uh, um, you know, sellers on your team, whose job it is to try to go and make sales, they need ways to help communicate to prospect customers that is authentic and that lends credibility um, because the salesperson can say all they want. But today, in today's day and age with the internet available, there's so many places people can do all their own self-sufficient research um, before they ever talk to a salesperson. So they, they've essentially sold themselves before they actually engage with your organization. And it's more like, what proof points can you share with me, aka stories from customers having success that can help push me over the edge to make that purchase decision. So 
that's where I think storytelling fits for sure uh, within the customer advocacy realm. So um, I'll pause there. If you need me to add anything, you, you just let me know. Oh, yeah, I love that. And you mentioned uh, working with your your sales force and your, your your sales team, your sales leaders, and even the reps. Um, tell me more about that, um, because I, I kind of feel like you know there's always these silos to some extent between you know sales and even like traditional marketing. And and I would imagine um, there's also kind of there can be silos in between uh, you know advocate marketing and customer advocacy leaders in sales, you know, I'm curious, like what you've, what's your take on that? And kind of like, if you can share anything that you've learned around like best practices around like getting alignment between those two departments, when, as you said, it's, you know, the, from a pure, like, you know, time to value ROI perspective, like getting these customer stories in the hands of the sales team at the right time with the right deals, like, you know, that it seems like one of the clearest like ROI indicators, right? Um, tell me more of like, what have you learned there and, and how do you see that? Yeah, I, I think I think um, one of the biggest things I would say is in, in that there's always going to be differences of opinion. This is just my own thoughts. Um, it's not to say what works for our organization maybe works for everybody else. But I will say that I think if you step back and look at essentially the reasons why and the psychology around um, customer stories and and working with the salespeople, I guess the way I would say is to position it to help get alignment is come to the sales organization from from like a customer advocacy or marketing or even customer success department to propose collaboration internally with sales um, in the way that you, in this way, I am here as to work for you, salesperson, in the sense that if you help collaborate with me and we can build a good relationship, I can help provide the right kinds of customers to be a reference for you or to provide a, a testimonial or some sort of video, customer video um, that can help you sell. And a lot of salespeople are, you know, commission driven, or at least that's that's the nature of their role is, you know, they tend to get paid when when they get the company paid in terms of um, purchases that that are, are, you know, close one deals. So positioning it in a way that you're you're helping them like this is to help you do your job better. So we need to break down silos and collaborate more cohesively. And ultimately, what that will do is the salespeople start to to win more if you're able to provide those those customer testimonials and, and, and stories and things that help them win. Um, you can present a clear ROI from a customer advocacy standpoint, which maybe helps you get more budget to expand that operation. Sales increase, which is good. Now you have new customers that can come through the advocacy um, pathway, you know, to become an advocate which means now we can then capture those stories if we can help those customers be successful to now have more customer stories to share back with, with sales. So I think really mapping out how it benefits sales is, is the short answer. Um, so they can really see the value in what it is customer advocacy is actually doing for, for their role. And, and sales is a high pressure 
kind of a role. So I, I'm not saying I'm not saying it's it's the highest pressure or any more pressure than say advocacy, marketing, or any of that kind of thing. It's just different, and the nature of it is such that they have to be on top of hitting numbers all the time. We kind of all do in in certain respects, but um, it's their livelihood, and and so if you can come at it in a way that helps them understand that you're there to help them do more of that, they're likely more willing to be reciprocal and and collaborate. And um, it's it's I don't say that to give any sales organizations a bad rap whatsoever. Furthest thing from the truth, um, totally necessary. And uh, and I've managed salespeople and I've worked with salespeople before. So it's, uh, but it always works better when, when we're on the same page and collaborating for sure. Yeah, that's a great point. And so it, and it also sounds like, uh, uh, as you know, customer marketers, advocate marketers, would you say that the first step, you know, most likely has to be taken by us as advocate marketers? You know, is that fair to say? Because otherwise, sales is just going to be heads down, like you know, trying to hit their numbers, like right. Uh, but yeah, what what's your take on that? Yeah, yeah. I mean, to the extent you can make it a more holistic kind of approach with sales, it's kind of a broad question in the sense that. If I'm an advocate marketer in a company, I don't know. Am I am I in a leadership role as an advocate marketer, or am I, you know, more on a practitioner and I have a boss and whatever else? And and maybe it's I need to get back up from my boss so that the message is actually heard when I cross departments to make an ask of of the sales team or ask for collaboration or whatever else. So I mean, ideally it would come from the top down, this kind of idea of collaboration, not just between advocate marketing and sales, but across a whole organization. Uh, you know, everybody needs to collaborate in a positive way for the organization to be successful. So I think if it can come from the top down, that's that's ideal. Uh, and then that makes it easier for anyone to sort of insert, hey, this is the executive vision of how we work together internally you know, let's all get on board and let's let's make some positive things happen. Uh, but if that's not the case, I would say to the probably the best thing you can do is is um, get the buy in of at least one person. Like if you're an individual advocate marketer and you're you've got a good um, rapport with with a particular salesperson and you can say, hey, what kind of deals are you working on? What 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 kind of things do you need from customer stories? And if you can go and source a few of those, basically start with a small experiment, source a few of those, see how it works, prove it out. Then if you prove it out, they get some sales, they get their commissions. What I mean, your praises are going to be sung uh, a little bit farther and wider than they were previously. And that's just how you build momentum. And that's, that's kind of how you start from the ground up, especially if you don't have higher uh, leadership buy-in and it's coming from the top down. Um, but ideally it's, it's coming in, it's going in both directions. <laughs> I love that point. And, and also, you know, getting the recognition, right. Cause like we're all sort of, um, you know, in our own careers, like our own, it's like the startup of you, right. You, you have to kind of, you know, figure out how to, you know, progress and, and, you know, promote and drive value and kind of get noticed. And it, it seems like, it, it seems like what you're saying is like, a really quick win for an advocate marketer is like, and yes, ideally it comes, you know, top down, but if, if an advocate marketer is listening, they can, if they can do like a gap analysis, figure out where the gaps are in customer stories by talking to the sales team, facilitate getting a couple quick wins, producing those, those customer stories that are kind of missing strategically. And then, you know, 
the results will be there. And then it, it's, it's great, um, you know, it's great branding for you and, and great results for for the org. Is that, is that, um, yeah, yeah, I, I, I would agree with that. I, I mean, I feel like so much in, um, the corporate world and not really just corporate world. I, I, that's just a lot of my experience. I'm just saying in general, you kind of have to prove it before people start really paying attention, you know, like the old, the infomercials where everything's in black and white and someone's fumbling with something. And then all of a sudden the picture's in color now, and there's a solution. <laughs> it's like, okay, you just proved to me that this product works or that's the idea. As you were talking, even if you aren't in a position to do it all yourself, if you can do that kind of a gap analysis to see where there's a gap and even just present and propose a plan for a small experiment to help with that gap to say your supervisor and get their buy-in, now you might have a little bit more backing to, to make something happen or at least execute on that small experiment and, and prove it out. And then from there, um, hopefully you have a good relationship with, with a supervisor and whatnot. If that works, now that supervisor can tell their supervisor because everybody's got to, you know, every boss has a boss or whatever um, until you get all the way up to the chain, up the chain. And then, you know, if it's, it's proving out, maybe, maybe then some of um, the momentum starts to come back down from the executive level to say, hey, I think we need to double down on this or triple down on this. I want to ask you about how you know, customer storytelling and kind of customer advocacy priorities, you know, perhaps shift depending on the size and the stage of the company. You know, in the past couple of years, it seems like, you know, more customer marketers, more advocate marketers are, you know, roles are being created than ever. And what used to be very like, oh, like very enterprise only, like it's it's slowly but surely like getting down into, you know, mid-market, smaller companies are are focusing more on, on advocacy uh, when it used to be very much like, oh, we don't need to worry about that until we're an enterprise company. So like, if, well, that, that's, my, that's my understanding. And I, so if, if you think that is, is the case, I, I'd love to hear your thoughts on, um, yeah, how, how does it change? How does customer advocacy change, you know, depending on the kind of the size and the stage of the company, particularly like what can like smaller, or you know, uh, you know, SMEs or you know, startups even like learn from the you know customer advocacy that has traditionally been maybe been executed at at the enterprise level. Yeah, no, that's a good question, and and I I truly believe that that's it has started kind of well, and it makes some sense with enterprise level organizations that can afford to build out teams to to do this sort of work. Whereas a startup or a small business, you might have one to 10 people, or, or maybe it's a 50 person small business, um, but they probably have one person who's doing marketing. And that person might even be doubling as a salesperson or something like that. You know, so, so um, just the bandwidth uh, of people is, is usually spread a little bit more thinly than, than in a larger organization where you have individuals who might specialize in particular areas. I'll again give kind of a state of I think the recent years and and the the spotlight that's been put on customer advocacy and customer marketing. So as as COVID hit, I think a lot of times what happened there was many businesses and their economies to keep their own business alive and well started to shift and change as a result of the pandemic. 
And so I think what a lot of organizations, and unfortunately, a lot of organizations lost a lot of business because they couldn't be open or whatever else. And so they lost the opportunity for, for new customers and new uh, dollars to flow through their organization from, from new sales. But what it, what it did do is it put a focus on, oh, I have this pool of current customers <laughs> that if I can retain them, especially in, in like a SaaS business where it's recurring revenue, you know, that recurring revenue could help keep things afloat until we can figure out a pivot or whatever needs to happen to, to move the, the business forward in a new direction based on economic circumstances. Um, and so, so I think that was a, a natural, well, an unnatural phenomenon, I guess that, that nobody saw coming, but um, it was a natural reaction maybe to, to that happening. And so people started to double down and triple down on, on their current customers and realizing that, hey, it's easier to keep a customer than, than get a new customer. And my current customer isn't fully using all of the offerings that we have. So now I can focus on upsell, cross-sell, and probably land those sales a little bit easier than trying to find brand new sales. And so I think that's where this more recent focus in the last couple of years on customer marketing, you're starting to see like tons and tons of organizations have these kinds of roles available. And not just in B2B, but B2C and, and other organizations. So to your point, to your question, um, and it is a lot of larger organizations, but more and more smaller organizations are seeing what the larger organizations are doing and saying, oh, that looks like it's useful and is making sense. And it, I should probably be doing some level of that. So then that's the question. So how do I do that at a smaller scale with effectiveness? If essentially my my goal is to, among my customers, scale this idea of brand loyalty and word of mouth marketing. And I think for a smaller business, it, it's a matter of just kind of picking some things that work. I think there are some principles that are sort of universal. Um, most customers want to have success with whatever product or service you're offering as quickly as possible. <laughs> um, that's part of why they're buying. So helping them onboard really well to be able to use your product and have success with it right away and, and essentially validate their decision to purchase from you with time to value, you know, as they, as they go through that. So I would say, make sure that that is working. Like your customers are just getting the value that you've promised them from, from what you sell. And then from there, I think you can start to insert some things um, that are more of a customer advocacy kind of nature. And it could be as, as easy as a, a customer community, you know, and it doesn't have to necessarily be fancy. I, I'm, I'm all about like there are great tools that can automate and do all sorts of great things. But there are also basic tools that if you have a good strategy on how you use them can be effective. So, um, you know a Facebook community, a LinkedIn community or whatever of just your customers so they can start to interact and answer questions of each other, of their peers. And you can insert, you know, valuable information to them, uh, share some of the other customer success stories that are happening because a lot of customers want to understand, well, what is that customer doing? They're having success. What are they doing with your product that I'm not doing that maybe I'm missing out on the same kind of success? So I, I think. There are little things like that. And then as, a, as an advocate marketer, as those 
community and those, uh, you know, interactions are taking place among peers, how can you capture some of that and leverage some of that um, for, for the business? Or how can sales then take some of those positive comments and whatever else and insert them in their talk track as they're selling to a prospect? And, and that just all starts to build on itself. So I think from a smaller organization's standpoint, um, it's, it's finding one or two areas where you can think through, how does this benefit the customer? And that's probably the key. How, keep customer centric. How do I benefit the customer first to help them be successful in whatever they do without even necessarily mentioning your product, but how can I help them be successful? How can I specifically help them be successful with our product? And then from there, you know, how can I recognize them? So that's the, that's the other side of it is once they have success as an organization, how can you put them on a pedestal to recognize them and make them feel good that they made the right decision uh, and, and has some success? So I think even an email list can, can kind of do that. It's not quite as back and forth interactive as like a community or a forum, um, but just regularly reaching out and doing shout outs of your customers. Be like, hey, Joe Schmo had awesome success with this. Last week we saw it in the news congratulations, keep on keeping on, you know, you're doing the best thing. And uh, I mean, that just sort of hits people's as an individual, you know, they, they, people want to be recognized. They want to stand out for doing positive things and, and have been successful in their roles. And then if they're successful as an individual, um, the company they work for is going to see that success and it's, it's going to have a trickle effect there. And then you and your organization um, get get some recognition by association because of their success, but you got to put that focus on them. So I'll pause there. That was a long winded answer with a lot uh, a lot in it, but I hope that helps a little bit. I love that. I, one of the big takeaways for me, and even for us at Testimonial Hero, is you know progress, not perfection, right? Like you know you can get a ton done with just a you know uh, like a lightweight kind of customer advisory board that's purely remote situation, like whether it's email, LinkedIn groups, I love that. Um, we talked about strategy earlier, and I want to circle back to that. Um, you know, we talked a little bit about, you know, gap analysis, but you know, is, is, that, is it really, is it, is it that simple? Or yeah, how do you think about it? Like, if I'm a marketer listening to this, I've decided that I want to, you know, and specifically for customer stories. So I've decided I want to create four, five, six, ten 10 more customer stories. How do you think about, you know, setting and determining, um, you know, a customer story strategy? If you have historical data at all, like if you've done some level of this in the past, that can be really helpful as just a baseline uh, understanding. Now, if you're starting from scratch, you've never done it before, you don't really have um, a strategy around customer stories, then then it might take some creative thinking. Um, and in that in that case, I mean, I guess the way I would start is in your organization, talk to those folks who have the, the um, probably the best relationships with the customers. So maybe it's customer success reps, you know, if you're like in a software organization or, or maybe it is uh, an account executive or a sales rep even. I mean, it could be any one of those people who engage on the front lines with customers on a regular basis. They'll be able to tell you um, of those interactions that they have which customers really stand out uh, as 
sort of having the right mindset for your your brand, if if that makes sense. I I don't know really how else to explain that, but they'll they'll be able to have enough information and enough of a relationship with the customer to be able to say, you know what, this customer might actually fit for a customer testimonial for what you're thinking. So understanding who among your customer base, like doing some sort of analysis to say like, who would be most likely, like who would our sales or, or CSMs nominate as ideal customers to represent our brand to other prospect customers or other current customers, even for that matter. Um, so I think that's a, that's a place to start, especially on a, if you're a smaller business and you're on a small scale, you're probably closer to the customers. You probably know who they are more so than a larger organization uh, personally. So I would start there and then just get an idea of those kinds of customer stories and then what you want to focus on. So this is where the strategy comes into play. So look at your organization, where the organization's going, what are their goals? Where do they want to go in terms of sales? Are they looking to break into a particular industry or a segment? And do you have any current customers that are happy and successful enough with your product that are in those industries or segments that you could start to build essentially a roster of who you would like to approach for that. But again, you have to make, when you do finally approach a customer, you have to make it worth their while and beneficial. So one of the ways I, I think about that is those who often want to speak as uh, in testimonials or at a conference or whatever, on behalf of their experience with your product, typically are people who care about their personal brand for their career purposes and so this is an opportunity to add that feather and recognition in their cap um, on their journey. So I think that kind of appeals, that kind of recognition. That's one of the go-to ways that we we appeal to a lot of people. Um, instead of asking them, we want to present them, you know, with the opportunity to have another experience that that showcases them as an expert and a thought leader in their industry and with this particular product. Um, that they can use and leverage for their own personal brand and career. And so it's it's targeting in on that individual. And again, if they're having success, their employer who hires them is likely to enjoy that positive success as well. And then you by association, uh, them using your product. So I kind of spun around on a few different topics, but it's all a little bit related. So I can, I can drill into any any area you'd like. Yeah, I love the, you know, the kind of shining the spotlight on on them, you know, kind of celebrating their their success. And actually, let's dig into that. I, you know, one of the challenges all marketers face when you know we're going for that advocacy ask is the way we make the ask. Also, you know, making getting agreement, right? And any tips you can share, you know, so so we have one tip which is like first of all, ask the right people. Secondly, you know, you know, help make it beneficial to them, make it a two-way exchange of value. And the and let them know or kind of hint at like, look, we're going to promote this. We want to, you know, hold you up as a as a kind of a beacon, you know, or, or as a uh, example of best practices in your industry. Help their personal brand. Uh, what other kind of tips or you know things have you realized around like actually making that ask and, and getting um, that agreement? Yeah, you know, I think more than anything, the 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 biggest aspect of it, it's there's no big trick to it. Um, it's just, it's A, being authentic in, in what you're doing and being very transparent with the customer. So most customers can, you know, have, have good, um, I'll just call it BS detectors, <laughs> you know? And so 
if you're being inauthentic about it in your ask, or you're trying to sort of hide what the the what you're really what your real angle is um, in terms of why you're asking, then I think that comes through usually, and and customers might be more apprehensive uh, to participate. But I definitely think that transparency is is hugely useful and unfortunately sometimes underrated. Um, but that's one of the biggest things I, I would say is like, hey, here's why we're doing this. Here's what we're looking for. And here's how we would go about doing that. This is an opportunity for you and your thought leadership if you know you care about your personal brand and career, like if that's a motivator for you. If it's not, then maybe this isn't the right opportunity for you. And that's okay. And it's, we value your partnership and your business and want you to feel comfortable working with us. So if this isn't the right thing, and I think that's that's key too, is making sure your customers have, they're not pressured into it, that they have, that it's their choice. It's totally their choice. Because as soon as you start to feel pressured into it, your heart might not be into it, or um, you might feel like it's just an obligation. And that's what starts to lead to burnout. If you then come back to that person and keep asking these same customers over and over uh, to to be a reference customer or add a testimonial or a customer video or something like that, and then they get burnt out and then they get a bad taste in their mouth from your organization. And now they're less likely to really be an advocate for you. And you've just kind of turned them away. So it's it's got to be to their benefit, transparency, and I think too just allowing people you're presenting the opportunity. They can choose to take it, they can choose not to take it, and that's totally fine. In fact, that kind of endears them a little bit more to you because you're being human. So so many good points there, and and just to underscore, um, you know the the point about explaining kind of like what you're doing and, and why. I think. Um, other than good communication and being, like you said, transparent, there there actually is a very good um, psychological reason to do that as well. Um, it, there was a, just short tangent here. There's this study called the Copy Machine Study. Um, I think it was done. It's in a book of Robert Cialdini, but basically, it's this idea that like uh, when we ask someone to do us a favor, um, if we provide a reason, people are just uh, significantly more uh, they're they're going to agree just because people like to have you know people like to have reasons for for what they do right so um, for example it could be like for us when we always you know ask when we make an advocacy ask for like something like a J two review or something we're like we explain to them like this is extremely helpful to us and like our salespeople use this on every use these our G two page on every single deal and like it, you know no big deal but it, you know if, if you're open to that I'd really appreciate it so like yeah having that explaining like the because or just like the reason and like just being transparent and is a lot more appealing than being like just asked, you know, with no, you know, further context. Yeah. I'll add to your G2 uh, example there real, real quick. One of the things that I found effective too is similar to, to what you just explained, like, Hey, this is why we're asking. This is why, what, what we're after if you choose to do this. Um, but I often will share it back with, with the customer too and say, you know, this is also if paying forward the experiences you've had is a value to you, that's part of how this helps other other people who were, you know, if you remember back when you were shopping for a solution, 
maybe you reviewed G2 and Trust Radius and all these other review sites, if you had a good experience, or really even if you didn't have a great experience, not that you're trying to promote bad <laughs> testimonials, but just you don't tell them what to write, but just like getting them to understand that, hey, the act of putting in a review actually you know, helps others who might've been in the same situation you were in when you were shopping. So um, it, it just, it just kind of personalizes some of that a little bit further. That is such a good point. And um, I, I want to hit on a couple of things. I know we're, we have a hard stop coming up. So let's shift to talk about different mediums, uh, different formats of customer stories, you know, video, text, you know, third-party reviews. How do you think about all of those and maybe, you know, the pros of cons of each and kind of where things are going and trends and, you know, efficacy. Yeah. So, well, the first thing I think about is the appropriate media and the appropriate sort of medium to create the messaging for that media. So, so uh, in other words, a basic example. So if, if I need to do some sort of postcard advertising, that's going to get actually physically mailed to someone Obviously, I'm probably not using video. Um, I'm probably using copywriting text, imagery, still imagery, something that that conveys um, something that's appropriate for that particular use in, in that particular media. So in contrast, you know, if I'm trying to do something on social media, I'm probably looking at some sort of native content, meaning we're posting maybe a, a short video native within a LinkedIn feed you know, uploaded right to LinkedIn versus like on YouTube and linking to it um, or, or, or whatever the case is. And in that case, video and short text is probably a better choice than long form text, unless your goal is to draft like a blog post where you're looking to get search engine optimization benefit from a long form, you know, thousand plus word Document. So kind of knowing where you're going to use the content or the stories that you're producing um, will help dictate what's appropriate for the audience that that tends to view in those those places. So you want to go where your audience is and you want to utilize a format in those places that is accepted by the audiences who go to those places. Uh, so you know, it, online and social it tends to be short, sweet, snappy video, lots of excitement, entertainment. Um, you know, if you're looking, if you're an article reader and you like blog posts and whatever else, you know, long form, if you're doing other advertising, uh, again, it's probably short copy if it's text at all, uh, depending on, on what, what the outcome needs to be for, for the audience. So, um, so that's kind of the way I think about it from a from a format stem standpoint. Where things are going in in advocacy, I think so much more these days is well, it's online and offline experiences for sure. Um, we've always had conferences in person and things, and then COVID hit, and then now we have we had all these virtual things, and now we're we're kind of coming out of that to a certain extent, and it's kind of this virtual uh, or virtual hybrid, you know, in person and virtual version of things. So it's a little bit of everything. And I think that can be to an advantage for uh, advocacy marketers and things like that, because you now have, you can have, you can create an in-person experience that has a different kind of meaningful value to a customer 
than a virtual experience that can also have a, a, a very meaningful value to a customer, but the format of how you have to deliver that just has to be different. So in, in some ways it makes our job maybe a little more complicated and harder because we have to manage all these formats and things. But if you do it well, you can kind of stack these things on each other and, and the reach you end up getting is greater. And also I think communities or some some idea of community on or offline, probably both, is very much where things are going. And, and one of the reasons that's so important is because people want to belong to a group or a tribe or or something that's a that has a a sense of camaraderie and a sense of something bigger than themselves and what happens i think when you get a group of people like that together especially customers is now it takes on a third sort of dynamic which is that you've got you know the the company and the customer and they're interacting you know two ways that's that's the 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 two dynamics. The third dynamic is now they've got peers in the group. So now they can interact with each other. And now they're starting to learn from each other without the company. And that brings so much more value. So I, I a lot of that is all here already. I just think it's going to expand and become a lot more important. And you're going to see a lot more of it. Yeah, I love that. Such a such a true thing. Um Last but not least, um, Nick, what, what do you wish you knew five years ago around, you know, customer advocacy, customer stories, or, you know, anything related uh, to that? I don't know. I was pretty excited when, when this opportunity came up for me at Ceridian, um, I was pretty excited. I had been doing like more social media marketing and content marketing and, and inbound kind of marketing. And I, I could see where this was going. And to me, it was like, the way I associated it was, I was like, okay, this is inbound 4.0. This is like amazing. Um, so like five years ago, what would I, what would I want to know? I, I think I would have just, I would have told myself or anyone getting into it, don't be apprehensive about it. I think I had some insecurities about it initially because not a lot of people were, or it wasn't as, as widely popular as it is now. And so it always, you always start to feel a little bit insecure. Um, like, am I on the right path? Am I doing the right kinds of things? How do I know this is where things are going? Um, when, when you feel like you're a little bit of the underdog or that's not the main, the main thing, but the way to counter that, or the way I felt like I was able to counter that was by concentrating on, okay, this is what I'm working on. This is what we've committed to in terms of trying to make this work. If we can prove this out, then we're proving at least for our organization that it's working and then we can we can continue to do that maybe it's not right for every organization that's fine but this is where i'm at right now and i have the opportunity to make this work so let's see if we can make this work and it turned out it worked pretty well and it continues to work and and i'm very grateful um but i think that that would be the biggest thing is just a better way to get over the insecurities of not having mass mainstream um, exception of, of what you're doing at the moment. And so you've heard it here, folks. Uh, if you have any doubts around, you know, customer marketing, customer stores and advocacy, you're, you're, you're in the right place. Uh, uh, Nick, this has been great. Um, really appreciate this. We might have to have a round two sometime. 
where can people get in touch with you if, if they want to connect um, or, you know, just, um, you know, learn more about what you're up to? Yeah, absolutely. I would say LinkedIn is really the best way to, to do that. So it's linkedin.com slash in slash Nick V. So I was pretty early on LinkedIn. So I got the whole just last initial, not my whole name. <laughs> so LinkedIn is the best way to get a hold of me. But we can email, we can message. Uh, happy to expand, you know, circle of network. So happy to talk to anybody. Perfect. Nick, thanks again. And um, have a great uh, rest of your day. You too, Sam. Thanks so much. All right, folks. Well, that was a fantastic episode with Nick Venturella. Uh, just, wow, jam-packed with, you know, so many insights there uh, from how to think about strategy, getting agreements, um, how advocacy and stories change different uh, size companies. Um, so, yeah, I definitely encourage everyone to connect with Nick, follow him. He's got a great blog. And also, if you're a musician, uh, he's got a really fantastic you know, Etsy shop uh, selling upcycle guitars. Definitely check that out. Um, and if there's any other um, guests in the future that you would want to have on the podcast, feel free to shoot me an email. It's uh, sam at testimonialhero.com. We just want to make this the best or you know, uh, extremely valuable podcast for customer storytelling and advocacy marketing. So uh, with all um, that being said, thanks so much for listening and we'll uh, see you in the next episode.